Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Interrobang Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Simon. Thank you for being with me today, and thanks for listening. Before we jump into this week's episode of Reporter Rants, let's go and talk about some of the news you may have missed this week. Our top story, it's been over a week since Russia first invaded the Ukraine, marking Europe's biggest land conflict since World War II. Ukrainian sources said that over 2,000 civilians have been killed as the seventh day of the invasion also marked the first major Ukrainian city to fall as Russian attacks intensified. Ukrainian President Zelensky said that over 9,000 Russian troops were killed. However, the Russian Defense Ministry has dismissed that statement, saying that only 500 troops have died. The UN Refugee Agency reports about 875,000 people have left Ukraine, and it's warning that number could reach 1 million soon. But Ukrainians fleeing Russian aggression will soon be able to find a temporary safe haven here in Canada. As Canada sent $25 million in defensive equipment to help Ukraine, Immigration Minister Sean Frazier says the government will also provide fast-tracked visas for those who wish to come here to work, then return home once it's safe. Londoners are also showing their support as hundreds gathered in Victoria Park on February 28th. As they sang the Ukrainian national anthem, Londoners held Ukrainian flags and called for the end to the invasion. The Ukrainian flag was raised at London City Hall in solidarity with Ukrainian people. And as of this week, Ontario ended most of its COVID-19 restrictions. Proof of COVID-19 vaccinations are no longer required at most Ontario restaurants, gyms, and movie theaters. There are no longer restrictions on social gathering sizes, and nightclubs, sports, and concert venues can get rid of capacity limits. Premier Doug Ford has said mask mandates will likely be in place for at least a couple more weeks. And gas prices in Ontario are set to hit another record this week. While Londoners may be experiencing strict shock at the pumps, experts say prices will jump by 10 cents by the weekend. Gas prices in London rose roughly 7 cents overnight on Wednesday, and prices are forecasted to jump another 7 cents per liter today. Dan Matik, president of Canadians for Affordable Energy, says the crisis in Ukraine is helping to fuel higher gas prices globally and believes the cost of filling up will only get worse in the coming weeks and months. But in the meantime, the NDP has introduced a private member's bill that would regulate gas prices. Now, this week on the Interrobang podcast, we are joined by a lovely member of our team, Lana Strihan. Lana is an international student from the Ukraine studying broadcast journalism here at Fanshawe. Having only been in Canada for seven months now, Lana is seeing firsthand from her friends and family back home what the situation is like in war-torn Ukraine. She sits down with us today to talk about her own experience, sharing stories she's heard from this past week with loved ones back home, and gives an insight on what it means to be Ukrainian. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome Lana on this week's episode of the Interrobang Podcast. Lana, thank you so much for joining us here in the Interrobang Podcast. I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to have you and to be able to hear you share your story with us. This is going to be really impactful, but I think really important as well. Yeah, I'm really glad to share what I have on my mind and to share what is happening in Ukraine. If I really can help somehow Ukrainian community or Ukraine with this information sharing it um, among Canadians, it would be really beneficial, I guess. Absolutely. I agree 100 percent. And uh, before we talk about that as well, I know you're you're from the Ukraine. So I'd love to know about your personal story first and how you came to Canada and kind of starting there. Yeah, sure. Um, I came to Canada seven months ago to study journalism at Fanshawe, and I chose Canada. It was actually a random decision. Um, I decided first to go to Belgium, but then my plans changed abruptly, and I had to choose another 
variant. So um, my father advised me, so should I, I should go to Canada. And I didn't know where, who, who can send me to Canada. Is there even a possibility to go here? And after all, we found, we found actually um, a company who sends Ukrainian people to Canada to study. And there were a lot of positive reviews on Fanshawe. So I decided that it was, it would be really interesting to go and to see how journalism develops in Canada and to learn something from, from Canadians. So that's how I came here. That's, that is actually from, from that time, uh, the only thing that really helped me to settle here was that I could talk with my parents and I still can make friends here. And I like, I can talk, talk with both worlds. First of all, my friends from there, my family, they supported me. Now I have friends and family, like I can call my friends and family here already who support me and who give me powers to survive through all this that is happening now. Yeah, absolutely. And it's such a pleasure to have you here at Fanshawe. I can say that. I know we're in the same program here and you're such a such a delight to have. And we love you at the Interrobang as well. And Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And going more towards um, the the state of, of Ukraine and where you're from and kind of talking about your story. So I'd love to know when this episode of the podcast comes out, it'll be just over a week since the first attacks broke out Russia attacking the Ukraine and the bombs that happened at, at 5 a.m. Ukraine time. And it was very scary for the whole world to watch. But coming from your perspective, what was going through your head because I know we're talking about journalism and, and you're seeing kind of the, the first news of this come in before it's just kind of broadcasted to the rest of the world. So how did that, talking about those initial reactions, I guess, before we, we dive into more. Yeah, first of all, I remember I was focusing on my studying. That day it was Thursday and I decided that reading week is coming to the end. So I should do something to study. But I was reading news on Twitter and here I... I, I'm following uh, Kiev independent journalists who are like Kiev independent is um, a newspaper. Uh, so they write uh, everything in English. So like foreigners, they can also understand. And here I, I'm reading like Putin launches like the all scale invasion on Ukraine. And then like when my father went to sleep, so it was like five hours ago, he told me, uh, monitor the news and if something starts, call me. So here I am, like it was 4.58, I call my father and I say that the war has started and that we are in trouble. And actually 10 minutes after that, I call my best friend and I tell her that the war has started and that Russian troops are gonna be there soon and that they're gonna be bombing Ukraine and everything like I was so scared and my friend she was she's actually realist so she was like oh nothing is gonna happen it will be all right they're they're like they have already launched the invasion eight years ago so nothing's gonna happen it's gonna be a passive war like in Donbass region and here we go like six days after she is in Poland because she escaped from the invasion with her mother and they left their like father 
at home because men uh, from 18 to 60 they cannot go out of the country so it changed everybody's mindset it changed their world completely my friends last year i was in university in ukraine in kiev and i have a lot of ex-classmates with whom i communicate and everybody just stopped thinking about studying about their lives about their personal problems it's not the second day of march it's the seventh day of war that's what they call it and i i don't know how people remain still motivated and positive about this like even on the feed that i read from ukraine people are saying like even if they're bombing us those buildings they were from ussr so they're bombing our past identity and we all build something new on the ruins of this whole ex-ussr and i totally agree that what is going to happen after war it's going to be totally new ukraine and all the people that died in the war they will be heroes that's how i see it I can't even imagine the emotion that you're feeling. I can relate to it on a certain level, being a, a spectator and, and looking at the tragedy that is going on and the war that is continuously going on. Like you said, it's while we're recording this, it's people looking at it like the second day of March, but it's almost the seventh day of the war. And I, I just can't even imagine what or how you're feeling. I don't even... Oh my goodness. Have you been in, in contact with any of your, your friends and your family since? Do you know how they're doing? Or? Yeah, I was in contact with my family. They're sleeping like for the fourth night in a bomb shelter. And just before the interview, I was talking with my mom and she told me that I should like I should tell what is happening in Ukraine. She was like, tell everybody what is happening here. Everybody should hear about that. And I'm saying like or like it's already the seventh day i think like you have you're like it's hard but maybe you're used to it already and she's like even if you survive one day of this war if you feel it every single hour you just check maybe they will be bombing now maybe they will be bombing like in one hour or in two hours what what they will do you check those feeds and it told me that it's just insane and everybody's going to like, no, you know, there is a, this law of kilometers, like body kilometers. If 400 people die eight kilometers at 800 kilometers from you, you do not feel it. But if somebody from your territory, from your family, they break a leg, you will be thinking about this and it will be a worry for you. That's why here people, they think about Ukraine and they support Ukraine but it's hard to imagine what is happening there. It's hard to even, even me, I cannot imagine. I'm reading those news, I'm talking with my friends, I hear those sirens going on and on, but it's really hard to imagine what they're, that fear that is in, in their mind, in, in their body, because your body stops functioning normally. You're stressed, you cannot think about anything, you cannot do your work, you, there is no work anymore. You just go and you protect yourself. It's an instinct. And I've been talking to my friend. 
She is from the city that was recently bombed, Bila Tsarkva, and um, her house was destroyed. And she told me how she was crying at 5 a.m., like just two hours before their house was destroyed. She was crying, packing her bags, taking her animal, like home animal, and just running away, crying. And it, I don't know, it makes me feel so sad. Like it makes me even cry at nights. I have those like, I don't know, panic attacks after. I cannot sleep normally because the only thing I think about is is my family, my friends, my country, and it's it's awful. I bet in the society at all, like everybody I see, they try to support me, they try to support Ukraine. And I was on this rally that was on Sunday in London, and everybody was so motivated to say a word for Ukraine, to pray for Ukraine, to show the world that Canada stays with Ukraine. And it it means a lot to me and it means a lot to Ukrainian Canadians here in the community at all. And, and all those humanitarian aid kits or like just the humanitarian aid that was uh, given to Ukraine in like money or in food or in anything, it's huge. And it's hard to imagine that in just in some days, word like world mobilized that much to you know to have it and to get it going and to start this process of helping innocent people. Yeah, and going from there as well, I'd love to talk more about how that. I guess even local support. You were talking about you were at the the protest that was in Victoria Park this this past Sunday. What was that like being immersed in that crowd and, and hearing all these different people and, and how has that affected you and maybe even helped help motivated you? I know this is this is absolutely it, it can't be explained or described anything less than a tragedy that what's going on. So how was all of this local support and even support that you've seen all over the world? Like you were saying, there's been help that's that's coming in and surging in. Within a week, we're seeing, I mean, Canada donated this week over $25 million in defensive equipment and missiles and, and all these different things. And that's just just Canada. But how has all of that affected you and, and helped you, I guess, keep going during these, these troubling times? Yeah, uh, actually, I first time when I heard about this rally, I didn't want to go because I didn't have any mood to go anywhere I was just stuck in my old thoughts and I didn't want to share this with anybody. It was just my, like my own tragedy. But then I talked with my father and he told me, he convinced me that something like talking with others and feeling their support, it can help me and it can just keep, keep me going. And that's what I did. I talked with my friend, she's from Kazakhstan and we went together and people all over like all from all nationalities were there and those canadians who were screaming like glory to ukraine in ukrainian language it made me like it fascinated me and i saw that the world is doing something for ukraine it's not just sitting and watching and people, they are willing to help Ukraine. They see who is the victim here and who, who is a predator. And 
that's why it's it's really beneficial and it's important to show people who are in Ukraine that that world is helping, that world is not just sitting and watching. And I saw the news that all those sites like Netflix, Walt Disney blocked and Apple and MasterCard, Visa and other paying like payment like banks and it, it all was blocked in, in Russia. And now even I read a post of one Russian person on Twitter and he was like, oh, I'm so, um, I'm so devastated. I cannot watch, I cannot listen to Spotify anymore. I cannot watch Disney. Why are you talking that only Ukrainians suffer and only Ukrainians are killed? But what are you talking about? People are getting killed and you cannot listen to Spotify or poor you. Like, I feel that they deserve it. And if they cannot protest, like they cannot go and they cannot say no to their government, they cannot blame the government for being responsible. They are also responsible. They say that, oh, it's it's impossible to go to protest because you will be taken to police and you will be taken to prison for 15 years. But look what was in Ukraine in 2014. People were manifesting, people were dying for freedom and we gained our freedom, we earned our freedom. That's what I, what Russians should do, I think. If they are against war, they should show the world that they are against war. If no, they, they're the same killers, but just silent. Today I read in the news in the morning that after uh, Kharkiv city was bombed, um, two kids were left uh, without parents and they were just born the day before yesterday. So they were, there was like news that uh, they are searching for adoption like of these kids because they cannot take like the hospital cannot take care about like of them because of the war and they have like more and more people coming with wounds and they just cannot take care of two two children and they asked mothers from all over ukraine to take care of those children and it, it really it not only gives me the the desire to pray for ukraine or to be like I don't know, to share the information. It also makes me angry. It makes me so angry that, I don't know, they, the Russians, they're just doing nothing. Just staying in their houses, watching their um, their national uh, money goes down and down and they're just silently watching it. And I heard that Russian government is taking 80% of all small businesses money for the army they're sending those 18 year old boys to the war and now their moms are getting their children back in this backpacks for dead bodies and that is a disaster people in russia are just silent we will see till till when they will be silent i'd love to go back to and talk about something that you you mentioned briefly talking about Back in, in 2014 with Ukrainians, they're, they're earning their freedom and we're seeing 
examples of that happen again, where they're fighting for their freedom. I mean, uh, the, the president, Vladimir Zelensky, he's out there on the front lines, which is, it's been pretty, I guess, just monumental to see that and see him standing alongside his people, but also seeing the displays of Ukrainians and how they're fighting back. And you mentioned something yesterday um, during a, a team meeting that you saw a post about this, this Ukrainian woman, I believe she was a, an older grandmother and she walked up with a handful of, w- would you like to explain that, that, yeah. that story there? I would explain it. Um, there was a Ukrainian woman, she came, it was in, in the first day of war. She came to the Russian soldier like, young man and gave him he was with an arm like with a weapon here and she just came to him like he she had sunflower seeds and she said like take it and this it will grow in ukrainian crops after you die and it's so i feel i feel proud for this woman i feel proud for everyone who who protects our country and Ukrainians are ready to fight for their freedom. And I, I saw it in 2014. They are not going back to USSR. They took their freedom after like 100 years of historical fights with, with Russia. Because the same happened in 1919. It was a war for Ukrainian independence where we lost because we believed Russians. We believed that they can be our friends, that they will not touch us, but they also went to Ukraine with a war. And they killed 300, it was a famous fight where 300 Ukrainian um, like military students, they protected Ukraine for two days and Russians killed them all. They just shot them. And there is a film about that. But what I'm leading to is that now Ukrainians, they understand that if they won't fight for their freedom, they won't get their freedom. It's not just something that is promised by Putin that will happen. It will never happen. And we are ready to protect the land. And we we can see it. Like There are so many stories like this about local gypsies from Ukraine they, that's like who stole a tank from Russian people tank they just came in this without any weapons or the farmer who used his tractor to steal a tank <laughs> it's or people who are burning armed vehicles with co- with molotov cocktails from their cars or throwing from their balconies because everybody is ready to cut the neck of every single person who comes and invades their home because it's their home and it's your protection if somebody comes to your home what will you do you will protect yourself you will protect your house and that's what ukrainian people is doing now and it's unfortunately not or fortunately people from the world they cannot understand that because there wasn't massive war conflicts or in like Northern America or in European part of the continent. So that's hardly understandable for them. But um, I feel that after that, every, every Ukrainian will be considered like as a hero, as I read today in the post also, that 
uh, now in the resume when you will be going and searching for a job you should uh, instead of saying that you uh, can uh, live with the stress or you can work in a stressful situation you can just write that you're ukrainian and that will be all <laughs> so i feel that after that the people will be more like friendly and will understand that this freedom it was earned so after like 2000 people civilian people not fighters they were they are dead just from the start of the war and it's horrible it's terrific it's it blows my mind how people can be so i don't know so they they just don't think about that they just ignorant about where to where to strike the missiles or where what to bomb whether it is a an object for like military object whether it is someone's house and it causes so many losses but after that i feel that ukraine will be like new country just totally new society and ukraine was accepted to the european union like a day ago so i feel that even if russians want to invade ukraine further and even i don't believe it but even if it happens they won't be able to declare ukraine as a russian like a part of russia because it's part of european union and european union now needs to protect their ally and unfortunately russia is also seeking for help they asked Kazakhstan, they asked Belarus, but Kazakhstan refused and Belarus didn't refuse. So Belarusian people are now fighting near Russians and killing as well innocent Ukrainians. And that is what the Ukrainians will never forgive and forget. And as the international community is saying now that before it, the biggest tragedy was the one caused by hitler and now it's the one caused by putin so what we see is that maybe the history repeats itself somehow and it's tragic that i have a grandfather he is 93 and he was fighting in the second world war against nazi germany and now russians are calling us nazis and how can my grandfather who survived through all that war and now is being bombed by russians how can he be nazi it's insane i can't even imagine i was unaware of that they're referring to, to ukrainians as as nazis that's yeah even the official side of russian ministry of international affairs they posted a, like um a twitter post about Canadian politi politicians who support neo-Nazis in Ukraine going on rallies like I've been on Sunday. So they posted it like Canada and all the world is supporting those neo-Nazis. And we are the ones who are freeing people. But it's not true. We, we didn't ask you to come. We were living freely. And I know that they asked um, they said, oh, uh, the region of Donbass asked us for help. But the region of Don Donbass wasn't burned or wasn't bombed 
before 2014. And Ukraine was independent that time already for 23 years. So it was all all right and nothing happened. And now all of a sudden somebody decides to invade just civilian people. And Ukraine wasn't ready that time in 2014 when Crimea was taken. Ukraine wasn't ready just for the war. We thought about Russians as kind of, I don't know, they were our main enemy, but we didn't think that they would attack. So it was it was like enemy in the neighborhood. But when they attacked and when I when I saw it all, like I saw my father leaving to Kiev, like for this kind of war in the protest, and then Russia taking the regions like the occupied territory and the impossibility to go to Crimea anymore and this all and the fear but now Ukrainians they prepared for all those eight years of this ongoing war Ukrainian people were preparing to have this full-scale invasion because when you have occupied territories in the territory of your country it somehow mobilizes you so you think that it it can happen and now it has happened. It, there were some warnings about that. Ukraine mobilized its it like its army like the week before the war. So I feel that now even civilians they are there are a lot of um, like studies about how to destroy a tank or how to stop the bleeding or how to protect how to create a Molotov cocktail or something like this and it's it is shared by official government sites of ukraine so everybody's studying now and learning how to protect themselves and protect others it's essential and it's and people are wanting to do it it's not something that they are learning just to protect themselves it's just not only to protect themselves it's also to stop russia from invading further and I feel that it's going to be a glorious end for Ukraine, a glorious end of the war, and maybe the end of Russia, because it is a state that was, that is like a jail for people, because Russia, looking at their history, is not a, like a nation, just Russian nation. I have a friend who lives in Ingusheria. She, she is like it is a totally different people, and they are Muslim also, so they are not Christian, and it's just different, even culture. They have their dances, their language, and it is not the only, uh, not the only people that is now in Russia that wants freedom as well. So I think after the war those people, they will also gain that independence. And if Ukraine's destiny is to sacrifice its sons and daughters for some time to, to save the whole world, so let it be. But in the end, it will be glorious victory. Yeah, and, and lastly, we're kind of reflecting on, on everything that you've talked about and how much you, you've opened up with us today. Are there any final or last words that you would like to 
give to those maybe even within the London community who are affected or who have family as well who are still in Ukraine? Yeah, I only can say that it is hard, but it is important to believe in the victory and to believe in our armed forces in Ukraine and to see that they are doing everything to protect the people. So we should all also believe in them and pray for them and help them in any possible way. And just be with them like on the mental level and share the real news, not the fake ones that were shared by Russia or by their allies or by some people who don't have enough information to share. We just need to, to be fighting on our front, like not with weapons, but with our information and somehow help to, to have the world aware, aware of the situation that is happening in Ukraine. That's how I think Londoners and and other people across Canada, across the world who are not in Ukraine, but who are supporting Ukraine, that they can survive through all this situation and can go through. And I think that when it comes to the end, everybody will accept Ukraine in like in will get to know Ukraine in a really different way as it was before. Because before it was a country post-USSR, but now it is a new, new nation, new country. Thank you so, so much, Lana, for opening up in the way that you did. This has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. And I know a lot of our listeners will really benefit from everything that you've shared today. And I just want to thank you again, personally, from the bottom of my heart. And my heart also goes out to you and your family and all of those who are affected by everything that's going on. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. Um, It's been really a pleasure to share all that information and to get it just from my heart. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Interrobank Podcast. You can catch up with every episode on Google Play, Apple Music, and Spotify. Make sure you subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe.